Welcome to the Turkey Hunter Podcast, the original all-turkey, all-the-time podcast with your co-hosts Andy Galliano and Cameron Weddington. In our weekly podcast, we're going to bring you some wild turkey calling tips like this. From there, we're going to go into, she's aggravated, there's another hen that's challenged her, or she's challenging another hen, she's going to cut an excited yelp. advice from old pro turkey hunters like this the turkeys typically don't like i think more times than not to travel in an easterly direction into the sun first thing in the morning especially after he gets up it's a blinding thing it it, it's just like you it's hard for you to see into the sun Mm -hmm. so if i have a choice i'm going to try to make it so that i'm going to be on the west side in the morning east side in the afternoon of a turkey exciting live hunts like this teach you how to cook your bird with advice such as this with some fresh rosemary and garlic and then cool that off and spread that along the inside of that butterflied turkey breast that we've seasoned on both sides wildlife management tips for your property especially with turkeys like this if you look at the type of habitats that turkeys need for nesting and brooding that tends to be habitat that can be managed more successfully with growing season fire than with dormant season fire. And hopefully along the way, we'll get plenty of these. Well, on November the 28th of 1953, I was attached when I popped out of my mom and the baby doctor spanked me on the bottom. I went, oh, and I've been doing it ever since. <laughs> I like that. Thank you for tuning in. And now... For this week's show. Welcome back to this week's episode of the Turkey Hunter Podcast. You are listening to episode number 312, a fall gobbler turkey hunt. And I am your co-host and the guy who is actually helping his old buddy Cameron out doing some scouting for him. And I'm your co-host and the guy who's making a giant pot of turkey stock right now Mm -hmm. yeah so that's gonna be good but i'm I'm way more interested in yours so (laughs) of course you are i need gps coordinates how many gobblers you seen beard lengths spur lengths number of feathers i have yet to lay eyes on them so i'm still looking around trying to find them as soon as i get my eyes on them i'll drop some pins Send those to you on Onyx, but as of right now, I have not seen any turkeys on Hilton Head Island. Yeah, is there is there much accessible, huntable public land located on Hilton Head Island, South Carolina? There's quite a few golf courses. That'll work. As long as they don't know I'm there, you know, that'll be great. Yeah, I mean, a 12-gauge <laughs> going off sounds a lot like somebody hitting a driver on the third. Well, you just... Off. 
you know, I can get creative. I, I take my golf clubs, but then slipped in with a with a cover on it to make it look like a club, the barrel of my shotgun in the bag. Mm-hmm. And I'll put a driver cover over the barrel. And then when that gobbler walks out on hole seven, thinking, oh, it's just another golfer, bang, never yep. knew what hit him. And then I walk yep. over there in my knickers and pick him up, take him home. I didn't know you wore knickers. Only when I golf. Okay. I'm a traditional golfer. Yeah. The two times I've been. (laughs) (laughs) That makes perfectly good sense. Yeah. So some turkey stock, huh? Oh, yeah. I got all the scraps from a smoked gobbler that you guys may hear about today. Smoked him whole and took all the scraps, bones, neck, everything that was left over from him. And it's in a pot right now with some onions, celery, carrots, bay leaves, peppercorns, and coriander. And that is all simmering from now till about 8 o'clock tonight. Very good. Well, that's not the only cooking you've been doing, is it? You've been cooking a little bit of other wild game, too. Oh, yeah. The backstrap recipe that you sent me, holy cow. That was incredible, man. I'm telling you that like sit around when it comes to eating. Oh my gosh. The poor poor deer on my family farm smacked. Yeah. I mean there's right. there's no management here. There's no you know, I'm gonna wait till he's fifteen years old. I've been watching him on camera every day. I mean if it's brown, he's going down and the back straps are coming home. See now you know why I told you what I told you about what my plan is if I can make it up to your farm this year to deer hunt. Yeah, uh, shoot as many as you want. I just need a backstrap off everything you kill. That's going to be the the payment. Backstrap off of each deer? At least one, yeah, for sure. I'm telling you, that was incredible. Yeah, so which variation of the recipe did you cook? I did the whole strap rolled and tied. Okay, and did you use Italian sausage or breakfast sausage? Italian. Yeah, hard to beat the Italian sausage. Oh, it, it complemented perfectly. And then the goat cheese, I did just like you said. I treated it like baby bear and got it just right. And it, mm. it, it was it was unreal. It was so good. Audrey said she wouldn't have minded more goat cheese, but she like loves goat cheese. I thought it was just right. Good. I'm so, glad y'all that. Oh my gosh, incredible. I'm I'm planning on sharing that to my Instagram at some point, if that's okay with you, unless it's like some old Galliano family secret, but No, it's not. And you know, the more people that can use that and enjoy it, the better. That's well, my if they use it, they'll enjoy it. It's easy, man. You know, that's so easy. Oh, yeah. it's so easy. I got your text that you sent me. It's kind of a lengthy text, but then when you actually do it, it was like, wow, that was easy. Yeah. And the jacquard, man, that that really <laughs> makes it tender. <laughs> the jacquard's the real deal. Yeah, I'm I'm a big jacquard guy now. That was nice. Made it very tender. Mm-hmm. And so I had that last night. I had turkey heart for breakfast this morning, and I'm gonna cook the deer heart this evening. So I'm full of heart that today. You'd think it was Valentine's Day. Well, we're pretty close to Valentine's Day. I don't know what exact countdown is, but I can tell you that we are less than five months away now to the opening day of spring turkey season in Alabama. In fact, we are 149 days, 13 hours, 30 minutes, and 28 seconds away. Oh, man. Less than 150. 
I like it. That means we must be 163 days, 13 hours, and 16 minutes from opening day in Tennessee. Very good. I'm ready to go spring turkey hunt. Well, there's probably good reason you're fired up and ready for spring. Because <laughs> uh, I pretty much just had a hunt. <laughs> yeah, you you had a spring hunt in October. Yeah, I, I got to tell you, it's Kind of feels like I've found some kind of treasure that that's just been sitting out there in the open, and and I never decided to open the chest kind of thing. It October turkey hunting's pretty dead gum fun. <laughs> yeah. Do you want to share this story with us, or do you just want to make me pick it out of you piece by piece? Yeah, or? I just I don't know. You know, I might make you make you work for this one, but I guess I'll share it with you guys. Everybody's been pretty good listeners so far, so I'll share my story with you. All right. So, so the, when I left off, when we left off with you last time, you had a couple of birds located. Yes. So I'll just start from the beginning. Not this past Friday, but the Friday before, I found some gobbler tracks in a cut bean field. And the day before that, I had found a dark black feather in this wooded area a good long ways from the bean field so i imagined in my brain i was like okay they've moved from that wooded area to this field so they should be hanging around the field so i started archery turkey hunting on the field and never saw anything other than deer and so finally i started moving around after two mornings of doing that so what i'm doing is i'm hunting every morning before work i get up at 4.30, I work out for an hour and then put my camo and everything on and go hunt for an hour, first mm-hmm. hour of daylight. So that's what I've been doing every morning. So finally, I, I had been finding turkey sign, found turkey sign, found fresh turkey sign. I found lots of turkey sign, but it was all hen sign. And so finally, I found that black feather and I went back to where it was this past Friday. And I had my bow still because shotgun season opened on Saturday, finally. Thank you, Lord. And I went back to where the black feather was that was obviously a gobbler breast feather or Jake, I suppose, but it looked like a gobbler feather to me. And when I walked up there, I walked over the top of this hill and when I topped out, a very large turkey jumped up in front of me and flew away. And then a second one jumped up and it was real thick in there. I couldn't tell, you know, couldn't see a beard or anything, but they looked very big and they looked very black. And I found some more feathers that confirmed the sex of that which I was pursuing. Mm-hmm. So I knew I had two males in there. You know, it could have been jakes, could be gobblers, I don't know. So this is my first sighting of the turkeys. So I'm pumped. So I go home, go to work, work all day, and then the next morning is opening day of shotgun turkey season in Tennessee for the fall. And the fall we get, I believe it's, we get two, we get a full week and then six days. So what is that? 13 days of hunting for turkeys with a shotgun. So not many, but I had luckily been out archery hunting for, you know, nine days. So I kind of, I'd already, I was ahead of the game. (laughs) Yeah. But you can only kill, is it one gobbler per county in the fall? Yeah, so in Tennessee, that, that's the rule. One bearded bird per county. Okay. And that, you know, that's still crazy to me, but it's significantly better than, I think it used to be three birds either sex per county. Yeah. And there were people who could shoot 30 birds, you know, in Tennessee legally in the fall. 
all hens if they wanted to. So anyways, they've stepped their game up there at least. But so the thing I like about it is I can still turkey hunt. So I'm planning on going in the morning, but <laughs> to a different county. But anyway, the next morning I looked at the weather forecast. It was supposed to be 37 degrees, crystal clear mm-hmm. and absolutely beautiful. No wind, nothing. And I thought, I even told my brother this is like, you know what? If there's ever a morning they might let some gobbles out in the fall, this is it. Like, this is the morning. And so my plan was I had bumped the birds the day before at 7.36 a.m. And so I thought they're roosting nearby to there because they're not flying down to probably 6.50. Right. And so I thought they're roosting near there. They're feeding there on something. So I'm... My plan was I'm going to go in and I'm literally just going to sit down right where they were standing yesterday because everything I've read about gobblers in the fall is they can really be creatures of habit. And so I went and set up right there, got there plenty early, got sat down just in case, you know, they might be roosted right over me and sat down, got my box call out, got my gun set up. I was perfectly set, real comfortable. And the morning starts coming on. And first thing that morning, and so it was cold, but I immediately after that, for some reason, started shaking uncontrollably. <laughs> and I don't think it was from the cold weather. <laughs> yeah. So it was just like so unexpected. You know, I thought if they're going to gobble, it would be today. But, you know, you still you don't go to the fall with expecting for them to gobble, you know? Yeah. And so that I was over the moon. Like he gobbled that first time, and I was like, "All right, I can pack it up. I can go home right now. Great day, best day of the fall so far." You know. <laughs> but I decided I think you know I, I will stay here for a little longer, just see what happens. You know, yeah. maybe he'll gobble again. Um, yeah, yeah. may as, as well just see how things play out and how yeah. far gobble from you. So the, he was about. From where I was standing, I'm looking at Onyx right now, to the roost tree, 142 yards. Okay. So he gobbles the first time. I spin around on the tree and get to where I'm facing his direction. And so I get my box call, and I do two gobbler clucks. And immediately, two of them gobble. One of them's probably 95 yards. The other one's 120 or whatever I just said. And so when they both gobble, I take my call and put my band on it and wait. And then they both gobble again. And then I gobbled at them and then they gobbled again. And so I had audio of all this to let everybody know, but somehow screwed it up and ended up with only 12 seconds of audio. So luckily Mm. it's a good 12 seconds. So this I'll play this for y'all. It's just a quick little clip of me gobbling on my box call and then you're going to hear a crow and then you're going to hear two fall gobbles so here's that little clip while they're on the roost all right okay so if that doesn't get you fired up i don't know what will you got to hear them gobble in october I'm standing here now in full strut drumming. That's oh, yeah. Not me. That's what that's basically what I was trying to do in there, you know, because I'm trying to act like a gobbler. So mm-hmm. we get to gobbling and, you know, I do some clucks every now and then and gobbling at them and they're gobbling because I figured my best bet is to do what they're doing. You know, if they were gobbler yelping, I'd be yelping at them, but they're gobbling. 
so I'm going to gobble, you know? Yeah. And I can tell they fly down, and all goes silent. And so I just kept clucking on my box call, just puck, puck, every now and then, thinking they're going to come slipping in, you know, silent. They're just going to come slipping in, either that or they're going to start clucking when they get close. And we're going to start clucking back and forth, trying to locate each other. Mm-hmm. Well, they never show. So I'm sitting there and I'm very getting a little impatient. But I you know, told myself, you know, last year, if anybody remembers from my fall story last year, when I sat down, I said, I'm not moving to 830. I'm not moving to 830 no matter what. And that's what ended up killing that turkey last year. So this year I said the same thing, except I said, I'm not moving till nine o'clock. No matter what, I'm not moving till nine o'clock. Well, there was one thing i didn't think about if that happened and at eight o'clock all was still silent all of a sudden he gobbles and he's moved straight south away from me probably 250 yards from where he roosted and so he is at this point from me 260 yards total he's come to my side of a railroad track that i was hunting near but he's further down he went past me kind of thing okay and so he gobbles and then he gobbles again and then he gobbles again and i was like holy crap i gotta get moving so i jump up and i start running basically running towards it and so i'm kind of jogging a little ways i stop and i go a little closer and he just he is just literally every breath this turkey is gobbling and I get to probably 75 yards from him. So I'm going to play another clip. This is my only other recording I have for you guys. But this is me walking towards the turkey. You'll hear when I pause, he will gobble. And then you'll hear me start walking again. And that happens a couple times. And then I sit down, he gobbles really close. And then I gobble at him. So here's that audio clip for you guys. It's about four minutes.
right. So I thought my gobble sounded great. To be honest, that was probably my best gobble of the day. I was really proud of it. The turkey, on the other hand, not as proud, I guess. Do you think it sounded just too good? It could be. I don't know. I like when it happened and you you guys heard the audio. I thought it sounded good. I mean, I did it and like I, I even kinda sat against the tree like, oh man, you know, that was that was right perfect. Like you just nailed that one. And yourself yeah. on the back. Yeah, I mean, I was all proud. He probably came in. I was sitting there, you know, tooting my own horn, didn't even see him or something. But I was pretty proud of that gobble. And I did it right after he did because I wanted to kind of gobble back at him. Right. Well, he never gobbles again. Never saw him again. So, obviously, he wasn't nearly as proud of it as I was. Yeah. And after sitting there sweating pretty much with my gun you know i'm bearing down on it thinking he's coming you know it went silent because he's coming right now he's probably running over the hill after doing that for a good 45 minutes i finally ease up and figured out he's he's gone he's left the country and he's silent now so i don't know what happened at about eight o'clock that made that turkey do that i did scare a lone turkey out of a tree about 30 minutes later so i almost wonder if a coyote or bobcat or you know whatever scared the flock of turkeys and busted them for me kind of thing because he just started just gobbling his brains out at eight o'clock randomly but that's all just theory i guess you don't think the turkey that you scared out of the tree was a tom do you no it was a hen okay it was a small turkey okay so i don't think it was him uh, anyway and you know i knew they had already flown down but that was just a theory i had because i scared this random lone turkey out of the tree and i just wondered if if something had happened to split them up and that's why that turkey was gobbling so hard because you know They'll gobble a little bit on the roost typically in the fall, sometimes very seldom still, but uh, you don't hear many stories of them just repeatedly gobbling at eight o'clock. Right. So anyway, at this point, after I scared the lone hen out of the tree, I thought I'm probably going to do more harm than good by walking up in here further. So I'm just going to ease out, go back to the car and go get some late morning breakfast and go hunt a different area. And I'll come back this afternoon. So that was the plan. So side note to the hunt, let's talk about me walking back to the car. Okay. I'm walking down the railroad and I see my car at 30 yards from me. You know, I'm, I'm back pretty much. To my left is a ditch next to the railroad where I guess they dug out to build up the railroad and a pipe that runs under the road where my car is parked. So I'm 30 yards from the car. So I start unloading my gun because I'm like, OK, you know, hunt's over for this spot. Well, I look up and two pit bulls come walking up out of the woods, out of that ditch. And they look, you know, peaceful. They look like good dogs, you know, good boys. And so I thought, you know, I've never had a bad experience with a dog, so I didn't really think much about it. Well, all of a sudden, the front one lays his ears back, shows all his teeth, and starts barking and growling, and then takes out in a dead run at me. Mm. and the second one's right behind it. And my shells are currently zipped up in my pocket. So I'm, wow. you know, adrenaline starts pumping. <laughs> How it's hard a, when they started running at you? 25 yards. Yeah. So I don't have, you know, dogs are pretty quick. I don't have enough time to unzip a pocket, load a shell into the gun, and kill him. Because yeah. if I could have, I definitely would have. Like, without a doubt, I would have shot that dog in a heartbeat because it was literally trying to attack me. So the 
front dog, unlucky for them. I was a baseball player my whole life. So I trained really well on how to swing bat-like objects. And it happens to be that a shotgun can be used very easily like a bat. Mm-hmm. It can. So the front one, I load up. Like that was my first instinct is I take the gun off my shoulder with the sling and load, you know, load it back up like I'm holding a baseball bat with my front leg, my left leg pointed towards the dog like he's the pitcher. So he's three feet from me, opens his slobbery freaking mouth, and he's coming to grab me by the leg. And I teed off on him. So I'm holding the gun by the stock. I swing, the barrel crushes against his head uh, right in the ear pretty much, and I rock him off the left side of the railroad track. So he's that, that dog's down for a second at least. Yeah. And so at this point, I'm finishing my swing, so my gun's over my left shoulder. Well, the dog number two is coming from my other leg on my right side, so I pretty much just take the gun from my left shoulder and rotate it straight overhead. And then with all my back hammer pound that dog on top of his head. And that was all he wanted. And that was all the other one wanted. And they got the crap out of there after that. So, well, luckily I did not have any injuries, didn't even get bit, but had I not had something to hit them with or protect myself with, they would have either mauled me very heavily or killed me. And, you know, I don't know which one it would have been, but I will say for all you guys out there that are like me and you you go scouting and you don't have anything with you because you don't carry a gun scouting, I'm going to get a pistol or something because that freaked me out. I mean, if, if I had been scouting in that instance and just walking along that railroad scouting, those dogs would have tore me up. Like, I'm talking bad. No doubt. So that freaked me out. But I got past that, got in the car. I'm also not going to unload my gun until I'm standing at the car from now on. But drove to a new spot, went, walked 50 yards in the woods, found a big pile of yellow corn, turned around, left wow. immediately. Just <laughs> like, okay, I'm getting out of here. Talk to the game warden. They're going to hopefully catch the guy this weekend. This will make you proud. He said they're from Alabama. They're notorious around here, apparently. Well, that sounds about right. So any of our Alabama listeners who like to bait corn in Tennessee, you may not want to go hunting this weekend. <laughs> the <laughs> game warden may be there. <laughs> Let's get caught. Don't clue them in. Yeah, well, I'm just letting you know. But I didn't want to – I saw the game warden's truck not long before I parked and went hunting. And so when I walked in and saw the corn, I was like, oh, my gosh, they're probably setting up some kind of sting operation, and they're about to jump out from behind the tree like, ha-ha. Yeah, and you just <laughs> you just whack their pit bulls. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they, yeah that, those are the the, those are the the service dogs. That's right. <laughs> uh, that's the guy that killed our dogs, and he's baiting this area. <laughs> uh, oh my gosh, old bully will never be the same after the barrel he caught across the ear. Yeah, no joke. Uh, but anyway, so after I saw the corn, I was like, I'm getting out of here. So I stopped and told the game warden, like, hey, there's corn right there. You know, good luck with that. I've been texting him to see if they catch him. That'll be interesting to me. Because, I mean, it, it sucks. Like, I know tons of people bait their private land. But if you're baiting public, like me, I can't hunt there until it's gone or I get rid of it or something. Or, you know, I might get caught with it, you know? Yeah. So, I mean, it's, I'm not, I can't hunt that spot this weekend. 
And, That's right. You know, I saw some Jakes in there, and I can't hunt it this weekend because the game warden's going to be camped out watching it. And I I know that, so I'm definitely not going to be hunting it. You're and right. So it yeah. really sucks for me. So anyway, a lot of interesting things happened on this day. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So, just, just a reminder, this is still Saturday at, like, noon at this point. <laughs> yeah, not that much. <laughs> yeah, so I just went home after that. It was like, screw. actually, I went and tried one other spot. I did find some droppings, but no turkeys. And then I went home, took a little nap, and at 2 o'clock, I cleaned a deer and then decided it was time to go back hunting. So I got out there, back to no, my spot. Not about, your deer, though. No, no, no. A, a friend of mine. Okay. Came up, hunted here, killed a buck, and gave me the meat. So okay. I was getting the meat prepared for the freezer. All right. And well, now I might actually go shoot some deer, but I haven't been much of a deer hunter in my life. So anyway, I go back out at 3 o'clock and just decided, okay, I'm going to set up where they roosted, you know, this morning where they were roosted. Hopefully they'll come back to roost in that same general area. Mm-hmm. And... I went in there, and the the decision making process. I'm so glad I went through it, but I like really studied it. So to sh- tell you what it's like, there's a railroad running north and south, and then directly next to the railroad is a creek bed that drops, you know, straight down from the railroad, and then it goes straight back up on the other side. And if they walk down the gas line, they're right in front of me, you know. Yeah. So. That was a huge decision right there because I almost just set up on the wood side and I wouldn't have been able to shoot at the railroad from that point. So I sat down and built a blind. I found like a fallen over log. I pulled that up against me, stacked sticks up all around me. I had a really nice blind. I even brought a little chair with me. So I was super comfortable because I was planning on just sitting for the afternoon because I figured they're not going to gobble in the afternoon. And... I'm sitting there, and at about 4.30, I see movement up in front of me. And I'm looking, and it's on the gas line. On my left side, running up on the gas line, I see a little bit of movement. And so I'm looking through this bush, and then I see a turkey head pop up. And I was like, holy crap, you know, it's them. And my heart's just starting to... And so I get my gun up. I'm aiming, you know, got it ready to go. And I can see the turkeys. There's multiple turkeys moving. I can see they're moving towards me. And I'm like, oh, my gosh. And so then the first one steps out, hen. Second one, hen. Third one, hen. Turns out it was like 15 hens and poles. Mm. And so they start feeding at like 12 yards from me on the gas line. They're eating acorns under this big oak that was hanging over the gas line. Yeah. And so they're they're just feeding, scratching, hanging out. Luckily, I built a nice blind, so they they never saw me, and it was it was cool. Like I was really enjoying watching them. You know, I was like, man, what a day! Like this is amazing. And then I hear what sounded like a man walking down the railroad in the gravel of the railroad. You know, mm-hmm. and I thought, oh my gosh, what if that's the you know what if that's the gobblers? Because the hens weren't looking over there so you know and a turkey sounds just like a person walking through the woods oh yeah and so it's you know i could hear that gravel crunching two feet walking on it and i was like that's got to be more turkeys like what if it's the toms you know and i was like but do i risk turning my head to the right to look and blow all these hens out of here you know and be a raccoon or whatever the heck it could be you know (laughs) and so finally i couldn't take it anymore because it's just crunching right over my right shoulder and i'm like oh my you know it's just eating me alive inside 
And so I just begin moving my head as slowly as I physically can while while moving it, you know. And I finally get it all the way over there. I'm cutting my eyes, and there standing right on the railroad is three long beards. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, you know, then it, you know, the whole blind's shaking at this point. We're all shaking. Yeah. And I'm freaking out, and I'm like, oh my gosh. So this is where it just got amazing. I mean, what a freaking day. So they come off the railroad to my right, about three feet to my right, it drops straight down into the creek. And that is probably a 15 foot drop. So they come off the railroad, go down into the creek, and I'm looking down at them (laughs) from about 10 yards. And all three of them are drinking out of the creek. Mm -hmm. I mean, what a, like, I've never seen that. It was just, it was one of the prettiest things I've ever seen in my life. You know, the, these three big old long beards leaning down, drinking water, big beards, you know, swinging right there. I mean, it just, how awesome is that? <laughs> yeah. And also, there is a, because I didn't expect to have to shoot at that spot, because I never anticipated having to shoot into the creek, there's a tree right to my right as well. So I I cannot swing my gun and shoot down without me leaning all the way up and getting around the tree, if you know what I mean. Yeah. Like imagine a tree is sitting where your knees are, you know, a big tree that you can't just swing over, you know, and your gun's right there. Like, how are you going to get around it? (laughs) Yeah. So finally... You know how turkeys are. And I forgot to mention, I had been clucking and doing single yelps to three yelps every 10 to 15 minutes for this whole sit. You know, I may have just sat in a really lucky spot, but 15 hens ended up 13 yards from me and three gobblers ended up drinking water 10 yards from me. I have to think the calling may have helped some. (laughs) That's probably a pretty safe bet. You know, because it thought, you know, did my calling do anything? And I was like, I had a lot of turkeys end up right in my lap. So, yeah, I think I think it helped. But anyway, finally, the gobblers, I'm looking down at them. I'm just literally looking straight down at them. You know how turkeys are. They just they know when something's looking at them. They got that sixth sense. I didn't move. One hair on my head did not move. And the gobbler, I'm looking at the biggest one. He stands up from drinking water and he starts jerking that head, looking around. He's not really even looking at me. He's just looking around like, what's watching me? Something's watching me. You know what I mean? Yeah. And then the other two are still drinking. Well, then that one shuffles his wings behind him. He packs his bag. Uh-huh. The other two immediately raise their heads up. They pack their bags and everybody turns around. They're about to walk back up to the railroad. So I was like, hey. It's now or never. So, you know, worst case, I'm going to spin. They're going to jump up and fly off, and maybe I'll split them up for tomorrow morning, you know? <laughs> right. Yeah. Because, uh, I mean, that's the good thing with fall is, like, if you do scare them, then you just want to really scare them. <laughs> yeah. You don't want to yeah. just kind of scare them. Right. Yeah. <laughs> So rather than just swing and shoot, because I've done that, uh, that's one thing I've learned over the years. You're not just going to Jesse James swing out, draw the gobbler. Like you're just, it doesn't happen. I mean, at least for me, you may be faster than I am, but it just doesn't happen. And what I've found to be more effective is I just very deliberately, but very slowly and consistently start moving my gun and my body all in one motion to get position for the shot. 
you know, do you, do you understand what I'm saying? I know exactly what you're saying. When you try okay. to quit draw them, their natural instinct is to get out of town yesterday. But when yeah. you move very deliberately and at a slower pace, they know the jig is up, but they're not trying to get out of town yesterday. They're just trying to pack up and get moved. Yeah, it's almost like because you're going slow, they don't feel like they have to jump and fly immediately. Exactly. So that's what I did. In one motion, I started leaning forward as I'm moving my gun to the right. I'm leaning, I'm going forward, I'm moving, I'm moving. And I get over there, and the tom that I wanted, the biggest one, is going up the bank to the railroad. And I line the bead on his head. You know, he's heading pretty good clip at this point. He knows something's up, but he's not flying he's not in a dead sprint he's just getting out of there and i absolutely rocked him at like 20 yards Mm -hmm. so he falls dead i get the shakes really bad you know people i i got it really bad after i shot him because i had worked really hard for that turkey you know to actually finally get to see him and then have to sit there in agony for 10 to 15 minutes while he's drinking water 10 yards below me Mm -hmm. and not be able to move my gun to him it I say agony, it was absolutely gorgeous, but I wanted to kill him, you know? <laughs> oh, yeah. And so, unbelievable hunt. I mean, I, I had a blast. Like, what a day, you know, I got to hear him gobble. I think I called him in, either that or I picked the luckiest tree in the whole wood. And then I made a clean kill with a, a good maneuver to make the kill where I didn't freak out and try to rush things. You know what I mean? Right. That that was a big key that I thought of after the hunt. I was like, I knew they were leaving. And the old me, before I kind of had this revelation, would have been like, you got to go now, man. Like, you got it. This is it. They're about to go, you know, and, and freak myself out and just try to whip that gun over there and get a shot off. And I thought, you know, I was, I was like, OK, they're leaving. Start deliberately, slowly moving your gun. That was that's how, like, I think now. And it, that works so much better. Yeah, it does. For all wildlife, I've done that with deer like that I'm messing with. If you move slowly or coyotes that I've killed, anything, if you just move slowly but deliberately, you will kill more than if you try to outdraw them. Yeah, reflexes are so much quicker than ours will ever be. Yeah. Their life depends on it. Well, and you think about like a turkey's defense mechanism, if a bobcat jumped out of the woods to grab him and he didn't know he was there he has to be able to react and get out of that and mm-hmm. so i feel like when you jerk to shoot him it's that same reaction whereas if he sees a coyote walking across the field from 50 yards he's gonna leave most likely but he's not gonna just freak out and bust out of there like you know there's no tomorrow right i mean if you just that, that's just how they are so I think that that's something people could pick up from this and help them hopefully with a situation like that is just slowly, deliberately smooth transition to get the shot. Yeah. And so anyway, he was beautiful. He was big for a fall turkey. He was really big. He weighed 18 and a half pounds. And you have to think that's an early fall turkey. We're just coming out of summer. It's still hot here. For him to still weigh over 18 pounds is that's a good sized bird. Yeah. They're usually a lot leaner. You know, I think the one of the two I killed last year was maybe 14 pounds. They're, yeah. they're typically a lot leaner coming out of summer. I mean, you know, it's hot. They don't have any breast sponge and they probably don't have to eat as much. 
So he he was he was a good bird though for sure. Real nice thick beard, probably eight and a half inches, and uh, right at an inch spur. He's definitely a full grown long bearded gobbler. Very good. Well, there's three good things that I can say came out of that story. The first thing is there's a dead turkey to show for the hunt and the time and the effort that you put into it. And so, you know, that's first and foremost. The second thing is that you didn't get eaten up by two Rottweilers or two pit bulls. Yes, that's a a key point there. The third thing is you did not bend your barrel across the head of one of those pit bulls. (laughs) I know, I told you when I called you after the pit bull attack that I was worried about that, but the barrel's good. Could have been, yeah. And because I thought I may have been, and I hit him so hard, but the barrel's fine. Rottweilers or pit bulls or whatever may not be, but the barrel's fine. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. Had the dogs killed and eaten me on the railroad, none of the rest of the story would be happening. So there, there's, you know, keys to success. Don't get killed by dogs in the morning because you might not kill your gobbler that evening. That's very true. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> If pit bulls rip your throat out, you're not going to kill many more turkeys. Yeah, the call today would have been a lot like, so I'm your co-host and the guy who did blah, blah, blah. And that would be it. Okay. (laughs) It's a great show today. (laughs) That's right. Yes. For real, though, with the dog thing, it kind of changed my outlook on dogs. I've never had a bad experience with them. And so I didn't have any kind of fear at all when they approached. But when I'm out now, if I see a stray dog, I'm I'm going to be more cautious because that and let me blow your mind a little more that literally yesterday I went turkey hunting again out in the middle of nowhere. Like I'm not even near a road this time. Here comes a pit bull in a totally different area all by himself romping through the woods. No way. Dead serious. I mean, I was I was an hour and a half from where I hunted the other day where those two were. But this time. I threw my gun up. I was like, you keep coming, buddy, and it's on. <laughs> yeah. But he was just wrong. He didn't even know I was there. and He saw me and ran off like a scalded dog. So he, he was not aggressive like the other two. <laughs> mm-hmm. But I was like, what, what, is, what is up with this? Like, is there just people dumping pit bulls on all the public land around here? What's the freaking deal? Must be. I don't know. But I was like, of course, I see one immediately after the incident saturday yeah 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 well so i haven't had the issue with the with the dogs before fortunately but i have you know on some of these trips out of state been in the woods after i filled my tag without a gun and had the thought run across my mind of hey you're in cougar country or you're in bear country or both and you're walking through the woods, you're nobody knows where you are because you're scouting for your buddies. So you you've separated yourselves from them. Yeah. And you've got no weapon, no way to defend yourself. Yeah. That was all I could think about is like, I don't think I want to go in the woods again without something to defend myself. Yeah. You know, cougars, bears, dogs, meth heads. I mean, you never know what you're going to come across out there. Exactly right. And it only takes one time to ruin it. I mean, if I did, if that had been my time right there and those dogs either could have killed me or possibly disabled me, I mean, that could have ended my hunting career right there Yeah. from one experience. So I'm not being over dramatic about it or anything. I'm just saying, luckily, I had something to defend myself. For you guys who go out scouting, I would highly suggest taking something with you, even if it's just pepper spray, because I'm sure if I'd had like, you know, bear spray, 
I probably could have defended, you know, gotten them with that. Yeah. But, you know, something, you need something. Because that was all I could think about. Is if I had had nothing, you know, just me out there walking, it would have been a fist fight with two pit bulls. And that's not a good situation. No, you're going to lose that one. Yeah. I mean, best case, I just come out mauled, you know? <laughs> I mean, yep. and that's not a good case. So uh, you, you need something in case things go crazy. That's, yeah. that's definitely something to think about. And if you're one of these guys dumping out corn for deer hunting on public land, please stop because that's really annoying. That's the second one I've found in Tennessee on two different places. And it's not legal here. So now I can't hunt there. What kind of sport are you putting in to your public land hunt when you're kind of cheating, in my opinion? And just stop. <laughs> yeah. Well, you and I had an experience with somebody baiting public land in Mississippi yeah. during turkey season. And, yeah. you know, that was an area that, of course, there's turkeys in it because there's lots of food. But yeah. that's an area that we got out of and we couldn't hunt because we, you know, I don't want to get in trouble for somebody else baiting. Plus, no. I'm not going to sit and hunt a bait pile. That no. for, for turkeys, that's not fun. Not at all. It's really, I mean, it's not even fun for deer, but, you know, it's legal in Alabama now. So if I'm going to sit over a food plot, what's the difference in sitting over a corn feeder? Zero in my mind. Yeah, that's about right. So I'm just saying it's not, you know, there's just not much sport in it, in my opinion. So if you want to kill your private land deer using bait or whatever, they're your deer, like you pretty much own them. So kill them, but quit dumping corn out on public land. (laughs) <laughs> don't don't ruin it for other hunters and don't get any other hunters in trouble yeah it, it just sucks so don't do that and if you did dump out corn around here you may be a little nervous in the stand saturday because <laughs> mr green jeans has been notified of your pile look over your shoulder yeah the alabama outlaws better look out yep and if you get two pit bulls looking you in the eye they probably have a badge on them somewhere so be careful don't hit them with your gun barrel yeah for sure but anyway awesome fall hunt i'm gonna go again in the morning i've decided a spot in another county i'm gonna try to get a bird and i have this weekend to hunt and then i might be done after this weekend if i haven't located any more gobblers because it's freaking hard to find them but once you find them it gets really fun because you start it's like you get the first piece of the puzzle and then you get the whole box and you just have to arrange it yeah but getting that first piece is is really hard finding where they are is super hard to do because they're not gobbling (laughs) typically Mm. yeah well that's awesome man congratulations i'm excited for you and yeah thank you you were fired up and rightly so saturday so that's that's a good thing Mm -hmm. you had a, a good fall i mean to kill three birds in the fall and you're not done yet yeah it's been an amazing fall i'm definitely gonna hunt this weekend a couple more days this week if i find some gobblers i'll hunt till next friday when it closes if not i'm considering going to kentucky for their december fall shotgun season which is only a week long but Mm -hmm. i am considering doing that that'd be pretty fun if i could find some turkeys up there to go for a weekend i've heard they have a couple of turkeys up there so I've heard, and I am definitely noticing that there's more turkeys in the fall than there is in the spring. Even though they're not vocal, you just see more turkeys around. 
when you get into good turkey woods. Yeah. I guess the predation numbers and winter deaths haven't happened yet. So yeah, that's well, one thing. Family flock, so they haven't spread out either. So it's just you know when you see them, you see a bunch of them. Yeah. Well, that's all I got for you guys. I will say I read this in a book. I'm not going to do this every week or anything, but I'm going to give everybody a fact for the week, a turkey fact for the week, or at least a turkey thought for the week. See what you guys think of this. I want to hear your input, Andy. I read in a book that turkeys, especially gobblers, like to roost near or over water so that, because I've always wondered why, so that owls can't blast them out of the tree, because if they do, when they try to pin them in the ground, they're going to drown themselves. Hmm. Never heard that one. That's a new one for me as well. How so? Because that's how the you know the the horned owl, according to Mike Chamberlain, when a turkey's gobbling or whatever in the tree, or at night when he's defenseless, the horned owl will blast him off the limb, catch him in the air, and take him to the ground to kill him on the ground. So if he's roosted over water, you know, how's the owl going to take him out on the ground? You know. Okay, so. I've got to ask the question, how how does a turkey know that an owl will drown in the water? I'm just saying, it's a thought. It's a thought. He may not not know it, but he may have been designed with the intention of always wanting to roost near or over water, not even knowing why, but that could be part of the reason. Who knows? So I wouldn't put it past him. That's all I'm saying. I don't know how they tell each other that. Hey, man. But I will say, you know, after after reading Illumination in the Flatwoods multiple times, I will say that turkeys are born knowing things. Yeah. Just like a bird dog or something. They're they're born knowing stuff. They could. It could be that they're born knowing that. Maybe all the ones that roosted over water survived owl attacks. And so it's bred into them to do that still. (laughs) <laughs> maybe all of the ones that roosted above water are the only ones that survived and so that's just been bred into them yeah and the ones that roost over land died so they didn't have yeah they're owl food that gene to pass on that's right i'm just saying mm. that's my interesting mm-hmm. thought-provoking weekly thought that i got this week because i read that and i was like never heard that concept can't say it's true, but I can't say it's not true. That's right. <laughs> I'd yep. say it's unlikely, I guess, in my mind. But, I mean, you know, maybe maybe that's part of the design. So, anyway. Well, since you gave a fact of the week, I'm going to give the favor of the week. Let's hear it. It's going to sound a lot like last week's favor. Sounds good to me. And that is, if you've got a friend, family member, or maybe you just want to Put yourself up. Nominate yourself. We are going to do a listener spotlight show probably right around Christmas, New Year, something like that. And we would love to have you, the person listening to this right now, on our listener spotlight show or the person that you recommend on the listener spotlight show. And they can do one of many things. They can be an awesome turkey hunter. Maybe they've got a great story about a big bird that they killed or a tough bird or a character bird that they want to share. Or maybe they're doing some great things in the turkey hunting community, taking our wounded warriors out or maybe handicapped sportsmen 
and women or kids, whatever it happens to be. If you know someone like that and would like to nominate them or nominate yourself to be our first ever listener featured on the Turkey Hunter podcast for this type of episode, we would love to hear about it. So email me, Andy at IamTurkeyHunting.com, or you can get in touch with Cameron on his social media platforms, and he's going to tell you how to do that. Yeah, so Instagram, you can get in touch with the Father 49 G-O-B Father 49 or Facebook, Cameron Weddington. Look me up on there. I'll be the guy with the turkey pictures all over the place. That's me. Awesome. All right. Well, then let's call it a week. Sounds good to me. Thank you guys so much for tuning in this week. We know that you have choices. We appreciate you spending your time with us. We hope you have a wonderful week, and we look forward to seeing you again next week. Goodbye. Goodbye. Thanks for tuning in. You were just listening to the Turkey Hunter podcast. If you enjoyed the show, please go on over to iTunes and leave a five-star review. And make sure to head over to www.iamturkeyhunting.com to subscribe for free turkey hunting tips, tactics, strategies, and product reviews to help you have a more successful turkey season. And stay tuned for upcoming episodes on hunting afternoon birds, how to film your hunt, and the breeding cycle of hens, as well as some guest interviews. Thanks again for listening. We know your time is valuable, and we appreciate you sharing some of it with us. See you next week.